Welcome to the latest episode of EG Like Sunday Morning. This week I am joined once again by Head of Content Emily Wright and making her debut a new addition to the EGLSM family, Recruitment Account Manager and member of EG's Diversity and Inclusion Committee, Phoenix Deutsch. Great to have you, Phoenix. Uh, and how are you both doing this week? I mean, everyone's so bored of hearing from me at this point, aren't they? I'm going to hand <laughs> straight over to Phoenix, um, who's, as you say, making her debut to answer that question. Oh, I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. It's the first time I've done anything like this, so I'm really looking forward to kind of getting into it. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be a natural. And, and Emily and I uh, did this in the actual studio in the office last week with a, with a few colleagues, uh, but we're, we're back to recording on Teams this week. But how have you found the return to the office so far? And have you have you settled into your own hybrid pattern? Phoenix? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really kind of, I was really excited to get back to the office, to be honest. I think I spent a long time at home. So we're back in now Tuesdays and Thursdays. So it's really mm -hmm. great to actually see people in the flesh and just little things, just like popping over to someone's desk to ask a question <laughs> rather than popping it over on Teams. So it's been good. Definitely getting used to the routine. It's nice having the balance though. Some days yeah. at home, some days in the office. Yep. I think we, we can all agree on that. I'm sure Emily yeah. can. Yeah, um, absolutely. Now, we have some rather serious issues to discuss today, but first, Emily, I know uh, you've been so excited to talk about this one. Uh, you wrote the big story of the week, uh, introducing what, what the headline calls the new giants of workplace tech. So uh, who are they and, and what do they do? Well, I'll tell you, the way you, put, the way, the way you set that up, though, it made it sound like I've been waiting for like, my nine and a half birthday party or something, just so excited, couldn't wait. Was you know, She has, she's, she has. She's, she's been champing at the bit. She's, she's talked to very little else. I she's have. That actually is true. That's true. How sad is that? I mean, but that just shows how invested I am in my job and in the tech scene. Um, I have. It's It's been a story that we, we've, we've kind of had a hint has been in the offing for a while, hence the build-up of excitement. Um. But um, we were following one story and it ended up being a, you know, uh, one in the end uh, this week. There was uh, two massive um, real estate tech takeovers in 24 hours um, and the real focus on tenant and property experience platforms. So um, US based HQO acquired its European counterpart Office app to create a new uh, tech giant valued at around $500 million, $300 million. Uh, and um, on the same day that announcement came out, VTS um, announced that it was going to buy workplace experience platform Lane. Um, and that transaction is valued at around 200 million. So a bumper, a bumper week for real estate tech. But what's really interesting is that it is a very specific area of real estate tech, which is this tenant engagement, uh, property engagement platform. So uh, those platforms that, you know, take a space and turn it into an experience, make it better for the tenant, give the landlord access to more data, uh, those kind of platforms, apps and software that people have been talking about for a while. Um, and what's what I find really interesting about this is that when uh, there was that mass exodus, the, the great exodus of 2020, when everybody kind of disappeared from the offices, seemingly never to return, although that has proven not, not quite to be the case. Um, the, the fate of those apps that were set up to facilitate office spaces and to make them better, more efficient, um, more experience focused, you know, give, give tenants exactly what they wanted out of the space. 
it could have gone either way because on one hand you know what's the point in having something that facilitates and improves something that no one's using if no one's going to be in the offices and on the other hand it could be that these were things that became the things that actually could become tools to get people back and for a while nobody knew which way that was going to go anyway I'm sure you can see where this is going. Um, but, but given the amount of money um, and the capital that's gone into this part of the market that, uh, this week, and given the huge names involved, it's obvious that the, the latter has prevailed. And it does look very much like these apps and platforms, certainly for the time being, could be um, quite instrumental in helping to get people back to the office. And I spoke to um, the chief executive and co-founder of HQO, um, Chase Garbarino, last week. Um, and he was saying that, you know, in the States, it's been called the great resignation. You know, everybody's sort of like disappearing off and thinking, oh, you know, maybe I'm going to do something different with my life. I'm not sure that I want to come back. And he was saying that, you know, that as as people often say, and as this, this has been long coined phrase, you know, we're social animals. But people are coming back, but they're coming back and they've got really high expectations. And if people are going to come into to an office, if they're going to do their commute, if they're going to sit on a train, a tram, or bus, you know, whatever it might be, when they get there, they want it to be what they want, and they want it to be what they're paying for, um, and that means that people are going to want a bit extra, both on the landlord side, but also very much on the tenant and corporate occupier side, um, and that's basically the modus operandi of these software platforms. And um, it's something. I mean, another thing Chase said was, you know, we we before the pandemic, we thought it would take about 10 years for the industry to get their head around the importance of taking these apps and software platforms, applying them to your space and turning it into something more than just space, you know, giving people something extra. And he said that he feels that the pandemic has accelerated it by about, well, accelerated it from 10 years to two years. Um, so more more acceleration off the back of the pandemic um, and just a really interesting week. And I, you know, I couldn't have timed it better I mean, I didn't time it, but it was excellent, excellent timing that those two stories happened at the same time, because um, it really does cement exactly what's happening in that market. And the only the only sort of slight niggle, I suppose, for people listening to this will be, well, what about the other players? You know, this is a very busy very busy sector. Lots of people have, you know, done lots of hard work and creating experience apps and tenant platforms and property platforms and when you've got a situation where consolidation is creating these huge companies and you know now with H HQO and um, Office app you know that they are so global you've got the biggest player in North America and a massive player in Europe and they've come together now what does that mean for everybody else what does it mean for the other smaller players is there room for everybody or will we see a, a winner takes all situation emerging um, we'll have to wait and see on that one. I'm sure you'll be on top of it uh, for our, our readers and listeners all, uh, as things progress, Emily. Um, I will try my best. <laughs> <laughs> so, Phoenix, we're, we're deep into October, which is Black History Month in the UK. Yeah. And and we here at EGOSM have talked about uh, the problems that real estate faces when it comes to diversity and inclusion on previous yeah. episodes. Um, but there's not much use talking without action. So we thought it would be great to invite you on. Uh, mm. to discuss what we at EG are actually doing uh, internally on this front. So yeah. could you tell us a little bit about the work of EG's 
and DNI committee, and in particular, our new EG DNI mission statement. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, um, words, actions speak much louder than words. And to me, the most important thing is holding each other accountable and um, following through the commitments that we've made. So we've put together a new sort of mission statement um, and a new committee to really kind of refocus on all the things that we want to happen and what it actually looks like to have a more sort of inclusive and diverse workforce. Um, so our new sort of statement is that eg we're committed to building a diverse workforce and inclusive work environment that respects individuals their contributions and fully embraces all backgrounds um, and the way that we're trying to kind of encourage that and create that environment um, is through a few different ways it's going to be it's an ongoing thing there's not one way to kind of fix this problem it's something that's always going to be a work in progress but um, there are things that we're doing as a business um, that really can kind of support that idea of creating kind of a more just diverse and inclusive place. Um, so first of all, we've got our allyship program, which is something I'm really excited about. Um, Charlene, who's the head of kind of diversity and inclusion um, initiatives and LNRS, this is her kind of her baby. So we're really trying to push it out to the EG um, group and get more more people included and involved in the allyship program. So what that involves is it's kind of a three sort of step program. Um, which involves kind of attending one of our um, courageous conversation sessions, um, which is where it's an open discussion talking about what it is actually like to be a minority in this sort of being a minority in the real estate world and in our company specifically. Um, it also involves doing some your own research, whether that's reading um, books, podcasts um, around the kind of path that you take with allyship so we have different paths for the allyship program so we have the black british relations um lgbtq and as this we also have the american side of our company we have the african-american um, relations and hispanic um, heritage relations and we're also developing a disability um diverse um avenue as well which is in the development so once you pick which um, avenue you want to go down you do the sorry you attend one session the courageous conversation session you attend one allyship session and then you need to do a number of reading and once you've done that um, you can actually be accredited for being sort of an ally and somebody that's working towards becoming a better ally to those sort of underrepresented groups and then there is further development and further training and reading that you can do to kind of just grow your allyship knowledge and just become a, um, a better support to those sort of minority groups within the business. Um, so along with our allyship programme, we're also putting a lot of focus into psychological safety. So this is psychological safety is really important in creating an inclusive environment. And what it means is that it's creating kind of um, a space in which people feel confident in being able to be themselves and speak up about issues and discrimination and being able to criticise when needs to be criticised without feeling like they're going to be condemned for that and that they are able to just be themselves and speak openly about their real experiences in the workplace and in the rest of their lives as well. So we're doing training at the moment so that um, people can know how to support people's psychological health when it does come to talking about these issues because it can be really difficult and really draining 
um, particularly as a minority, to talk about all the things that are wrong in your business and also feel like you're not going to be condemned for just voicing those those opinions. Well, not opinions, those your truth that you're living in. So it's creating that sort of environment. Um, and the other thing that we're doing is also we're working closely with fame and property. So representation, I talk a lot about how important representation is um, as a minority, seeing people in not only your peers, but also in your leadership positions that represent you, that you know that even if you're not in the room, that somebody is representing your voice. And I think that is so crucial to feeling like you can progress in a workplace and that you can voice your opinion and that you can be heard and understood from, from, from your perspective. Um, so we're trying to actively hire people from more diverse backgrounds um, and we're working in partnership with Bayman Property um, and they work, they're an organisation for black, Asian and minority um, ethnicity groups um, and they have kind of their own sort of job platform and advertising platform so that we can hopefully connect with more diverse candidates and in turn that creates sort of better representation and better diversity. So those are kind of the kind of our key objectives at the moment. We've got loads of things that we're planning to do. We've got a really exciting event happening on Tuesday, a Black History Month event that um, I've kind of been involved in organising and we've got a really great guest speaker coming in um, called Elaine Clappin and he's a transformative storyteller and he kind of specialises in telling the everyday stories of black people, um, British black people and kind of just highlighting the narratives that a lot of people that we work with would never have heard of because they're just not exposed to that culture and that group of people and just yeah it's going to be a really exciting event and we're going to talk a lot about um, allyship and we're also in the process of hopefully launching a dashboard which gives us something that we can actually monitor the growth because it's all good and well saying we're going to do all these things but if we can't see whether people are feeling the positive impact of them or not then what's the point because we don't know whether it's actually impacting anybody's experience um at eg so yeah lots of stuff going on um we're taking the opportunity next tuesday to to launch um our initiatives and what we want to achieve and talk more about what's already going on within the business because as a business we have so many things going on um from an edi perspective we're really lucky to kind of have dedicated groups as part of our ERG teams that have put together some really incredible events um, especially for Black History Month we had a really interesting talk with David Lammy that was organized which was really honest and open about his experiences as being a, um, a black man growing up in Tottenham and then moving into the position that he has now um, we had a cooking competition so we've done some we had some really fun things going on we've got film club book club all different ways to kind of get involved mm. and educate yourself so that we can kind of just create a better work environment for everybody so it's exciting well, times <laughs> fantastic you sound very busy I'm particularly interested yes. to hear about the to hear more about the allyship program that sounds sounds amazing so I'm, yeah. I'm gonna definitely look into uh, how to, to get involved in that and, and last month though we, we published the results of our second race diversity and real estate survey yeah. which made for pretty bleak reading and, and, mm. and a pretty bleak discussion on a, on a previous EGLSM but but Phoenix what is your sense of how the wider sector is faring? To be honest I wasn't surprised by, by the results of the survey I think that people were were starting to point out that diversity is an issue as 
black mm. people, we've known this for a long time, um, what underrepresentation has a negative effect on, effect on your mental health, on your feeling that you can develop, but you're feeling that it can cause all kinds of problems when you feel um, that you're underrepresented in your organisation. And I think, yes, people, everybody's got a technology. Yes, this is a problem. We all know this is a problem. Mm. But what actions were made to improve it? I think very few companies did much else other than highlighting it was an issue. Um, they weren't, people, accountability, like I said in the beginning, is so important. Yes, it's an issue, but we're going to do this to move forward. We're going to check in with our black and brown colleagues and see, ask them, how do you feel things have improved? What can we do to improve? How, and it's not just on the, it's not just the responsibility of those groups, but but it's, it's all good and well saying there's an issue, but if you're not going to act on it, then it's almost worse. It's kind of, so now you know there's a problem and you're not doing anything about it. So I think that was where a lot of those feelings came from and why the results were so bleak and so bad because there was sometimes it can be, it can appear quite performative. It's it's easy to make a statement about diversity and inclusion. It's much harder to think of ways to actually, okay, how can we change this? So yeah, actions, actions, actions. I think words are very easy, but we want to see more black and brown faces in leadership positions. We want to have be able to have open and honest conversations about our experiences without feeling that we're going to be condemned for that and you want to stay we all work in a business where you feel like you can stay and progress because you've seen others like yourselves voices be amplified and be supported in achieving their goals because a lot of the time minority groups we we start off um at a disadvantage because we've not um we've not been in a we've not been in the same spaces that other people have been in their whole lives, their whole upbringing. So it can be difficult to feel that you're, this space is for you when you don't see anybody mm. else doing that. So yeah, it was disappointing. I mean, I would have loved to have seen that there was a massive improvement and everybody felt a lot more positive, but I wasn't surprised to see that that wasn't the case. But are you optimistic that if we, if we keep talking and we keep acting, yeah, things, things can get better? Absolutely. I think that the it's not something we can hide from anymore. It's not something that you can brush under the carpet and be like, well, with a bit of time, things will get better. No, actions need to be taken. And I think our business is doing a lot to amplify the voices of black and brown people and to um, to to make it a real priority that diversity is a priority. It's not an afterthought. So I definitely feel optimistic from the conversations that I'm having with people, from um, the way that I feel comfortable to talk on these issues and um, quite on very brutally sometimes and quite honestly. And I think that there definitely is, there is momentum and that's the thing. You want to keep that momentum going and it, you don't just want it to be a, a moment in time. You want it to be something that keeps moving forward. And I definitely think that's the, the feeling I get from the industry at the moment. It's not something that can be ignored. Yeah. And Emily, um, obviously, you know, uh, equality and diversity are hugely important to EG in terms of our our content output mm. um, and uh, to, to, to to further emphasize that as if it needed any further emphasis we, we, this week we are launching a new column um, unheard voices and, and Phoenix talked about that psychological safety the difficulty yeah. of being able to, to tell your story but with this column uh, hopefully uh, more people will, will, will feel able to, to to share their experiences. Yeah, I mean, I just want to start off by saying that, you know, listening to you speak, Phoenix, is just um, amazing. You know, you, it, it is, it, it's, it's, 
it's so so um, powerful, um, and uh, yeah, it's a real privilege actually to be to be on this podcast with you and listen to you talking about what you're doing. So thank you very much. It's, it's oh, you know it's you. really really amazing. Actually, makes me feel a bit. I feel a bit. <laughs> oh um, no, I appreciate anyway, it. <laughs> but yes, you mentioned um, there about people. Uh, being worried about speaking out for fear of um, repercussions effectively and I think in fact I don't think I know that that has been a huge issue for real estate for, and I think the wider world for as long as I can remember certainly for as long as I've been a journalist um, and so yes I, I have heard story after story after story after story after story of people who feel discriminated against isolated lonely depressed um, um so, so many things that you just don't want people to feel working in this sector and I'm sure it's replicated across other sectors this isn't just you know just focusing on real estate and and, and universally every time I say to them you should you should write about this you should talk about this you should be on a podcast um you know you, you should let everybody know this is happening they say, quite understandably n- no because I think as I've said you know in, in the coverage that we've done around unheard voices which I'll get on to in a minute it, it is quite a big ask to ask people who already feel pretty bruised actually to stand up for something that they want to stand up for but you you have to take a bit of a personal risk when you do it or a perceived personal risk mm-hmm. um so while I think on one hand, it's still really important that we encourage people who feel comfortable to talk, to speak out publicly, there are those people who don't want to speak out publicly, but their stories still need to be heard. So we've launched Unheard Voices this week, um, and it is a new comment piece in EG, which is completely anonymous, uh, which is completely anonymous. So every month we'll have somebody. Oh, it's a bit of a crash there. Um, every month we'll have somebody um, taking over that comment space. Um, and they'll be able to speak about whatever they can. Oh, I think you've got some, got some who's, heavy who's got duty, building work. Heavy duty building work going on there. That'll be me. I'm so sorry. It's been That's doing right. my head in all week. <laughs> I'll try and I'll try and talk in but in between in between the noises. Um yeah, so it's it's for it's for somebody every every month to recount a story, tell an experience, say how they feel without having to reveal who they are. And in an ideal world, of course, you wouldn't need comment space pieces like this but but we do and we wanted to give that kind of safe space so this um week's debut uh piece is um by somebody who um went for a job interview and that job interview basically became um a a, a pretty sort of scarring um sexual harassment issue and they've never spoken about it before or since um and this is the first time they've ever ever spoken about it publicly um albeit uh, you know anonymously um and so we we want to hear from everybody and anybody who has a story to tell um however you've been made to feel um you know that you feel isolated or discriminated against in the sector and one of the main points that I really, really want to drive home here is that it's an outlet for people, but it's also a way of showing the industry some of the extent of the problems that maybe it's not even aware of. And I, and I think there is something to be said for if you don't know the full extent, then how can you start to fix it? Um, and I think this will mean that there is there are fewer places for the industry to kind of you know bury its head in the sand if these stories are being told so if anybody wants to approach me about um writing a piece for that comment piece then please do drop me a line emily.write at eg.co.uk um or you can contact me on social media but we just want to hear from 
anybody who has a story to tell and who is concerned that if they say it out loud with the name attached, it might impact their future, their career. Um, and obviously the wider picture is to make sure that we get into a position where that just doesn't happen anyway. And everyone is completely free to say whatever they feel they have to say. But until then, this is a safe space. The first column is a, I mean, it's a genuinely horrible story, but you, it's one that you can't help uh, suspect and, and fear has been played out over and over again, not just in real estate, but in, in yeah. so many industries. Yeah, and that's it. You know, it's not just it's not just real estate. Real estate is obviously what we're focusing on because it's the, the world in which we operate. But it, it, it would be unfair, I think, to chastise real estate on its own. Uh, there's no denying the sector has a long way to go. But it's it's an issue across the board. Um, so, yeah, any anything that we can do to raise awareness, let's do it. Absolutely. And and the message um, is there, is there is there is actually a positive message that comes out in our first column from our from our brave author. And it's it's one of meritocracy and the importance of equal opportunity. And, and we've discussed over and over again um, that, you know, pretty much the main impact of unequal and divisive treatment is the stifling of talent. Um, and, and for the sector to thrive, we need the best talent from all walks of life to have uh, a fair and, and equal pathway to success. So to end things on a slightly more positive note, let's let's celebrate talent in all its forms because this week, uh, Emily, we also launched our expanded Future Leaders Programme and I imagine you're very excited about it. Absolutely, so so excited and you know it's, it's an absolutely fantastic um, you know programme that has been you know since its very very initial conception has had so much heart and soul behind it and I just think that it just it it continues to just completely inspire people and actually you know when just hearing just hearing you know Phoenix talk then you know and the impact that had to be able to, to be able to give people an opportunity to kind of stand up and speak about whatever it is that they feel strongly about in, in any across any subject is just absolutely amazing and so we're really pleased to be able to do that. And uh, it looks like a, a strong cohort this year. Always a strong cohort absolutely <laughs> always a strong cohort. <laughs> and uh, Phoenix you, you, you took part in the internal program is that right? Yes, I did. I took part in the internal future leaders program. I mean, I think we can. I think we can tell that from from the way you spoke earlier in the podcast. To be honest, <laughs> I, yeah, I really how... learned a lot from it. It was incredible. <laughs> no, it was really, really great. It was one of the best training programs I've ever done. Um, and I've I've always I've always felt passionate about the topic of DNI and and inclusion in the workplace. But it can, like I was saying, it can be quite daunting speaking about it and actually getting up there and talking. So it gave me, it really empowered me to have the tools to be able to go in front of a room and just speak and have the confidence to do so. So I would recommend anybody participating in the Future Leaders Programme. It's incredible. Definitely one of the best programmes that we do at EG. Fantastic. Well, um, thank you so much to both of you to, for speaking so eloquently and powerfully uh, today. And uh, to everyone at home, um, you have been listening to EG Like Sunday Morning.